It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN on this Wednesday. Scott in here with you as we prepare to talk to you for a little while about uh, we're gonna, what we're going to be talking to you about for the next couple hours. We call it the round table. Jason Jorgensen is in here along with Susan Littlefield and Bob Brogan. And uh, we start, as always, with Susan Littlefield. And good morning to you, ma'am. How are you? Good morning. There's like nothing going on today in agriculture. Yeah, really. I mean, it's not like <laughs> a major trade deal was signed or anything like that. So it's a pretty no. lazy day for you, right? Very much so. Of course, if you didn't see the alert that came across to your phone from all of us, USMCA was signed this morning by the president. Canada set to tackle that for them next week. And we're going to talk from Midwest Dairy's Edge Cooperative about USMCA and what that's going to mean for the dairy industry. That'll take place at 1219. Then coming up at 1245, deadlines are approaching with the Farm Service Agency, and especially for our livestock producers. If you're participating in the LIP program, we're going to get more details from Bobby Chris Wickham. And then wrapping it all up at 117, Clay will step in, or, excuse me, Chad will come in to talk about dairy in food pantries and the recent dairy drive that took place on pints to gallons. Mm, okay, very good. Thank you. That's it. You know, that is an interesting problem for food pantries, isn't it, is, is it, having dairy products. so It is very much so. Yeah, that's a good thing. All right, thank you very much, Susan. Appreciate it. Thank you. We turn it over to Jason Jorgensen and uh, what's going on in the wide world of sports today. Well, did you know the uh, XFL is getting set to fire up? Second version of that. Because the first version was, yeah, didn't last well, very long. Remember uh, He Hate Me? He Hate Me. Yes, He Hate <laughs> Me. That's all I remember from that. And, and, and brightly, co- and w- wait a minute, is the, is uh, oh gosh, the wrestling guy, is he in charge of this? Oh yeah, is this is Vince McMahon's baby again. Good. Also, the one thing I liked, instead of the coin flip, they yeah. have the two guys who went after the ball. <laughs> that's right. Which oh, was a great right. idea until someone was hurt. Yeah, that's true. But uh, anyway, all jokes aside, the XFL will be firing up again, and there's some former Huskers that will be involved in the league. We'll tell you which ones to look for. Also, we'll talk some Husker basketball. They struggled again last night at home against Michigan. Big drought in the second half. It did in the Huskers. They've now dropped six in a row. My coworker this morning, Bob Brogan, mm-hmm. questioning the program, <laughs> and uh, it's already soured on Fred Hoiberg. People just have to be patient. Yeah, Rome I mean, wasn't built in a day. You know what? You see glimpses. You see glimpses of good basketball, and then yeah. the 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 preseason uh, football ratings were way <laughs> off. The basketball ones look like they maybe Might were be dead right. on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, We didn't believe it. It is what it is. It is what it is. All right. Thank you. Very good. We turn it over to uh, Bob Brogan, who uh, wants to talk about Fred Hoiberg at this point, apparently. Actually, uh, (laughs) I want to give Mr. Hoiberg a a chance. Okay. And I do not want to be the source of grief and discontent. So, Husker Nation... But Just this sounds so much different than it did this me. morning Isn't at 6 in the morning. That's, uh, <laughs> I think there was a bit of frustration that came out of me this morning. But You're all better now. He has my approval <laughs> to keep trying. So anyway, indexes, you got 20 seconds to finish this Indexes <laughs> a little higher in mid-morning trading. And uh, so we'll be getting some more news uh, about stocks today, but they are up right now. Yeah, that's good. All right, very good. Well, uh, that's all coming up on... 
Well, it's time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. And sun shining nicely here today. Paul Perkins joins me here in the studio. Uh, pretty good snowfall amounts. We were kind of looking around to see some of them around the Garden City area. Yeah, as, as south of Dodge City into the southwest corner of Kansas, they got upwards of 10 to 15 inches of snow in that area uh, from a storm system that moved through basically... Uh, the night before into yesterday morning so it was it was pretty it looks like it was pretty concentrated though doesn't it exactly you, you don't have to go very far west of there and there's not much of anything yeah because we took a look at some road cams there right along the uh, kansas colorado border in southwest kansas uh, it looks uh, pretty uh, good as far as any uh, no snow cover on their ground there darned. but yeah but yeah right in over southwest kansas uh a lot of areas seen about four to eight inches of snow but from about south of dodge city to that southwest corner they did have 10 to 15 inches of snow with this system. Mm. But right now, we are seeing some sunshine for the time being across the area, but expecting that cloud cover to gradually increase as the day goes on. Still quite a bit of cloud cover in eastern Nebraska and Kansas, the eastern third, especially along and east of Highway 281, uh, from about east of Albion to Grand Island to Concordia, Kansas, that cloud cover the heaviest. That's where we do have temperatures in the low and mid-30s, but as you head into some portions of central Nebraska, we have many of our readings in the upper 30s, but then we have temperatures still stuck at 28 in the McCook area, and it looks like that is the current temperature within the last hour. A very nice afternoon, though, towards northeast Colorado, where temperatures in the mid, low to mid-40s, but where that snow cover is over southwest Kansas, temperatures stuck on into the upper 20s to the low 30s. Cloud cover expected to persist today. If you're seeing some sunshine right now, you'll see that cloud cover start to increase as the day goes on. But we will see the chance for a little more scattered cloud cover in western areas closer to a ridge of high pressure that will be a player in our weather as we head towards the weekend. Temperatures will be seasonal in the central and east to slightly above normal as you head towards the west. Light winds and high humidity tonight once again leading to the potential of some fog forming tomorrow. Some passing disturbances may kick up a few sprinkles or some flurries and also keep the clouds in place. Sunshine finally returns at full force as we head towards Friday into the weekend. That's when that ridge of high pressure starts to build onto the plains. Temperatures over the weekend as much as 15 to 20 degrees warmer than normal, especially on Sunday. Looks to be our warmest day with highs ranging from the upper 50s to as warm as some low 70s over southwest Nebraska and northwest Kansas. So you need to just put the TV outside <laughs> exactly. and watch the Super Bowl on the porch. Well, luckily, it's late in the day at 530, so, you, so you can okay. enjoy most of the day. By the time the game's going on, the sun's going down. So, yeah. Strong cold front on Monday, though, will drop those temperatures to seasonal levels. Then we'll be low normal on temperatures for Tuesday. Some light snow will be possible with that front, but no major snowmakers on the way for the time being. In the wake of that cold front's passage, overall seasonal or near-normal temperatures are indicated for Nebraska and Kansas Monday through the 11th of next month. Near-normal to slightly above-normal precipitation is predicted for Monday through the 11th for Nebraska and Kansas. Weather factors affecting the markets include light rain in central Brazil helping the soybean harvest and continued dry weather in Argentina. Here in the U.S., a storm currently crossing the south and lower Midwest will weaken before crossing the southern Atlantic coast by tomorrow. 
As we mentioned earlier, that storm dropping as much as 10 to 15 inches of snow over far southwest portions of Kansas. The snow is beneficial precipitation to some winter wheat areas. Prior to the storm, nearly a quarter of the wheat in Colorado and Kansas was rated very poor to poor. Early next week, cold in the normal conditions will engulf much of the western and central U.S. Little or no precipitation will fall across a large part of the nation's midsection. In the Midwest, that dry chin will be favorable the next seven days before it turns much colder, 10 to 14 days from now, because they do need to get some drying going. Across the northern plains, mild to very unseasonably warm conditions are predicted the next five days before that cold blast. Across central Brazil, light rain the next week will favor the soybean harvest progress with only minor interruptions. Rain will focus in northeast Brazil, where it was the driest earlier this season. Southern Argentina is dry with very little rain expected through the next week. Otherwise, the central Argentine crop areas benefiting from mostly favorable weather for pollinating and filling corn and developing and filling soybeans. It looks like it's uh, going to be a Hall of Fame weekend for sure. <laughs> Gee whiz. Nice and, weather. And some nice timing in case you want some That's weekend right. plans. Yeah, Sunday looks to be that uh, crown jewel of all the days over the next seven days and a day that we haven't seen in quite a while. No, we really haven't. <laughs> and, you know, and this is never an issue for you, but when I grow into work, when I go into work, I actually had to put my sunglasses on today for the first time in a while. I get it on the way home and the way back. They, you, uh, you don't get it all. They, they were probably gathering dust since you haven't <laughs> they used were. them lately. I had to dig them out from underneath the seat somewhere. <laughs> all right. Very good. Well, thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. To where you go to check in on your weather. WeatherTab, KRVN.com. For one dairy cooperative, getting USMCA signed by the president today is a big step forward. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative is one of the largest dairy co-ops in the country. And Brody Staple is president and a dairy farmer from eastern Wisconsin. Um, it's pretty exciting as a young dairyman in Wisconsin to, to see such a big deal uh, in my career. Uh, the last one being having been done uh, 25 years ago when I was eight years old. And um, so as a young dairyman moving forward in the industry and, and looking at ways that uh, my farm will be sustainable and, and well into the future economically, uh, we're looking forward to establishing better trading relationships with Mexico and Canada. Um, you know, some of the facts that we uh, were pretty excited about is that we can continue to capitalize on the trading um agreements and the and moving the amount of volume that we have been moving already to Mexico as well as um, redoing a few things in Canada Look, really looking forward to to sort of being able to get into some of the the world and global markets that we um, have been um, a bit taken back from over the recent years but um, as most of you know in farm country it's been a bit of a tough go over the past few years uh, whether that's economically or having to deal with the weather and uh, various other issues, but uh, this is definitely a, a light at the end of the tunnel, especially if you're a dairy farmer and, and you have an eye on sort of class three here in Wisconsin and, and other, just the milk market overall has been trending positively and I have no doubt that this will be another shot in the arm as well. So uh, we're looking forward to having this signed and uh, implemented um, at the at the right time and um, it's it, it can't be bad. I guess we'll say that. I mean, it, it, it's, uh, it's a step in the right direction. Staple goes on to describe the differences that we see in USMCA 
to the old NAFTA. But an interesting point, he was only eight years old when NAFTA was first put in place. There's a couple of things um, as far as, uh, I'll start on the Mexico side. Um, you know, our processors, you know, we make a lot of cheeses that um, obviously have been around for a long, long time, and uh, such as the Gouda and the, and the mozzarella cheese. Um, and sometimes uh, our European friends get a little offended by that, but I'll dare say that we make cheese just as good as anybody else in the world. So I think that, um, you know, keeping our naming rights in some of these um, different cheese categories, um, I don't believe was in the last NAFTA. To be quite honest, um, I'm not very versed in the first NAFTA agreement. As I said, I was eight years old when it came out. and uh, But um, I know that the other <clears throat> big thing that I sort of have a keen interest in because I have dairy family uh dairy farmer families of mine, my, my in-laws live in Canada and are in the dairy industry. And the whole uh, class six and seven pricing scheme that Canada put on uh, a couple of years back where they can uh, sell powder into the world markets uh, cheaper than what we can um, and displacing our market uh, is something that I don't believe was addressed in the NAFTA. Um, as well as, you know, it's hard to believe that we were trading on the, on the market uh, back. I'm, I'm sure the CME was around 25 years ago, but you know, there's a lot of electronics and a lot of technology that uh, needed to be updated in this agreement and um, and, and beyond agriculture even, right? Um, I think there's there's massive benefits. We, of course, focus on the agriculture, but um, as, as a whole, I think this will benefit the economy. But Our comments are Cody Staple. He's president of the Edge Dairy Cooperative. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Time for us to check in with sports on a Wednesday afternoon. Jason Jorgensen in here with us. and uh, Well, Husker basketball team continues to struggle. And uh, maybe well, last night, maybe that was one that they could get at home. But uh, it didn't work out. It's a process. It and uh, they fell at home last night to Michigan, 79-68. Big drought in the second half. Did the Huskers in in that one. Cam Mack played well, scoring yeah. 19 points. He dished out nine assists. But he says it's disappointing they let that one get away. The ball just didn't, you know, move. I felt like we just got a little stagnant. But, like, defense and intensity didn't pick up, you know, that we didn't, wasn't scoring. So I just feel like it was a lot of things. Just got to go back and watch them. I know it's some of the style they want to play with. Sometimes their shot selection is, yeah, he could have got a better shot than that. But they they play like a young team. I mean, they really do. Uh, they've now dropped six in a row to fall to seven and fourteen overall. They're just two and eight in the Big Ten. Hastings College is at home tonight against Morningside. The Morningside men are ranked number one in the country. The Broncos have been playing better. They won four in a row. Women's game is at six. Men's game at eight. And tickets to the Nebraska football spring game go on sale next week. The date has been set for Saturday, April 18th, although no time has been set at this point. Now, season ticket holders, as usual, will get the first chance to purchase spring game tickets beginning next Tuesday, the 4th at 10 a.m. The general public gets a chance to buy them at 10 a.m. on February 5th. Are you are you excited about this year's spring game? Listen, I wasn't. Uh, I, I I don't think it's going to be as ravenous this year as we've no, seen in the past. I, I don't either. I think tickets will be available. I think yeah, <laughs> there will be some. Five former Huskers made the cut as they'll be part of the XFL, which kicks off another season next week. Now, in terms of Huskers who've made it, wide receivers Demorne Pearsonell and 
Brandon Riley. They're a part of the St. Louis Battlehawks. I don't know what a Battlehawk <laughs> is, but I love them already. That's my team. A wide receiver, Alonzo Moore, and cornerback, Mohamed Cisse, a part of the Seattle Dragons. And I believe Mike Riley is the offensive coordinator for Seattle. So keep that in mind. An offensive lineman, Gerald Foster's with the Tampa Bay Vipers. I myself, I hope this... Takes sure. off. I think spring football would be great. I do too, but just for whatever reason, it just will not click in our country. And uh, Rafael Nadal has lost to Dominique Team in four sets at the Australian Open. Team reached his first Australian Open semifinal, and he denies Nadal, who is aiming for his 20th Grand Slam title. There I bet there's probably some people around here upset about that. Yeah, probably weeping. But they're. They're, they're glad Nadal lost instead of Federer. That's so. probably true. All right. Very good. <laughs> That's Thanks. a look at sports. For more, find it at krvn.com. Thanks, Susan. A number of bills have been introduced this session to deal with property tax relief. Jessica Herman, vice president of the Nebraska Cattlemen, says one in particular has caught their attention. Um, everything from transitioning the state to a consumption tax model to uh, eliminating sales tax exemptions, kind of you name it. So once again, we're sort of seeing a lot of different proposals coming up, but one really caught our eye and that was LB 974. And that was actually a revenue committee bill. Um, So there were a whole number of different groups that came in. Nebraska cattlemen testified in support on that bill. Herman says it would drop ag valuations down over a two-year period and commercial and residential would drop over a three-year period. It would increase state aid per pupil. A highway collision in the Nebraska Panhandle has claimed the life of one driver and seriously injured another. The collision occurred around 6 p.m. Monday on U.S. Highway 385, just northwest of Alliance. Authorities say a northbound car crossed the center line and rammed into an oncoming pickup truck. The car driver died. The Nebraska State Patrol identified him as 68-year-old Bruce Engel, who lived in Hemingford. The pickup driver has been taken to a Scottsbluff hospital. He's been identified as 21-year-old Levi Klaus, also of Hemingford. A central city man faces federal charges of child pornography. United States Attorney Joe Kelly says 39-year-old Robert Hopkins was indicted by a federal grand jury on Monday. Hopkins faces a charge of production of child pornography on or about December 9th and possession of child pornography for an incident on or around December 17th. The first count carries a maximum penalty of 30 years in prison, and the second count carries a maximum penalty of 20 years if convicted. Hall County Jail information indicates Hopkins was released from their custody around 9 a.m. on Monday after posting bond. The United Nations has been hacked. An internal confidential document from the United Nations Office of Information and Technology obtained by the Associated Press says dozens of servers were compromised at the UN offices in Geneva and Vienna, including the United Nations Human Rights Office, which has often been a lightning rod of criticism from autocratic governments for its calling out of rights abuses. One UN official told the Associated Press on Tuesday the attack that first turned up over the summer appeared sophisticated and that the extent of the damage remained unclear. System security has been reinforced. A rollover accident has killed one person and injured another along Interstate 80 in central Nebraska's Dawson County. The crash occurred around 11.45 a.m. Sunday, about three miles east of Lexington. Authorities say a westbound pickup truck ran into the median and then rolled in the westbound lanes. 
Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. The opiate crisis is the topic of the next Rural Radio Forum, sponsored by Ag West Commodities, your marketing partner. Join us Tuesday, February 4th from 3 to 4 Central, 2 to 3 Mountain Time on 880 KRVN. We'll talk with Nebraska Attorney General Doug Peterson, Professor Tina Chasek, Clinician Patrick Hall, and others to learn more about the history of this epidemic, why they're so addictive, what communities and states are doing to respond to this issue, and more. The opiate crisis on the next Rural Radio Forum. Some important deadlines are approaching with the Farm Service Agency. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Bobby Chris Wickham is the Public Affairs Outreach Coordinator for the Nebraska State Office of USDA's FSA. One of the first upcoming deadlines happens to do with LIP, the application process from 2019. That's right. Um, we've talked about this a couple of times already, but it, it's uh, another point to make as we approach that deadline. So folks that had livestock losses due to natural disaster in 2019, you know, if they at some point filed a notice of loss with Farm Service Agency and, and want that livestock indemnity program assistance, they haven't already come in and completed that paperwork for 2019. They need to by Monday, March 2nd. So, you know, we need, that entails them coming back into our office, if they haven't already, providing appropriate supporting paperwork um, and, and filing that actual application for payment. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, Bobby, if there were certain things that seem to be a trend that are missing, so maybe folks know what they need to have in place. Right. You know, they can bring it. They, we need them to bring in paperwork that maybe shows what their beginning inventory was that year. So sometimes that's bank records. Uh, you know, sometimes that's calving books, depending on what kinds of losses that they are claiming. Um, they, we need to know um, how many head they lost or have records to show how many head they lost. So that could even be like rendering truck receipts that show the number of head that were picked up. Um, so those are the types of supporting documentation that we need uh, to help complete that application process. And I know it's been a, a continued struggle, and it's maybe something they don't want to have to revisit mentally, mm-hmm. but it needs to be done, especially if they were kind of hoping on that assistance money coming their way. R- right. We just don't want people to, to miss out on that support if they were counting on it, you know, because it is a multi-step process. They come in and file that notice of loss, and they have to do that within 30 days of that that animal's death, um, and then maybe forget that there's this second part um, that needs to be done, and that's the supporting paperwork and the actual application for payment. And so we really need folks to be coming in and getting that done because that deadline, that March 2nd deadline, is fast approaching, and we just don't want people to miss out on that if if they were planning to to claim livestock indemnity program assistance. ARC and PLC, you have the election and enrollment. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about that. Right. Um, Agriculture risk coverage and price loss coverage, those are, you know, the main commodity crop safety net programs of the 2012 Farm Bill. And and most farms, I think, in our state do use those programs. And so right now we're in that period of election, and that means selecting whether you will use ARC or PLC on your farm. Um, for the 2019 crop year and then also then the actual enrollment for um, 
score those programs. And the deadline for completing that 2019 enrollment process and making those elections is Monday, March 16th. What do they need to be um, gathering to make those elections? Uh, what they need to do is just take a look at those programs. and We have lots of resources available on the Nebraska Farm Service Agency website. It can help them decide which programs they want to elect into, and that's farm by farm and crop by crop. So, you know, they could have um, their wheat base in the PLC program and decide to put their corn base in the Ark County program. And so we just need them to think about what they're going to do for those elections and then um, make an appointment and come in and see us. You know, we're about seven weeks out from that deadline, which which might seem like plenty of time, but we literally have tens of thousands of farms to get through this process across the state. So we really need folks to be thinking about those things now, making their decision, and then getting an appointment and coming in. Another area, and we've had a lot of discussion about this from a market standpoint, has been the CRP application process and knowing that there is a cap, but still not knowing how many acres are going to be enrolled. Right. The uh, the general CRP sign-up that we have going on right now uh, goes through Friday, February 28th. And so we need folks to be thinking about that, too. If they're interested in that program, we need them to get into their offices and, and get that application filled out. It is a competitive process, right? So once all those applications are in and that February 28th date is done, those applications all get ranked and then that and then there's a determination made as to who gets into that program. We just ask that right now, especially you know for for a lot of producers, especially if you're uh, mainly a, a crop producer and you don't necessarily have livestock. I think folks are maybe in the house a little more. Um, it's cold, it's snowy out. You know we want folks to come in and if they can and take care of this business now. And she explains what happens if you want to change your mind ahead of a deadline. They can complete this enrollment ahead of that March 16th deadline. And if something happens over the next month and they decide, oh, wait, I think I want to change, they can still come back in and make that change before that March 16th deadline. That's my conversation with Bobby Chris Wickham. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. It is time for our business report here on Midday. It is 12.53 on a Wednesday. Scott in here with you. I'm Bob Rogan. And in just a moment, as we take a look at stocks, nice recovery again today uh, in the overnights. Now, the interesting thing, in the, we don't usually read the Chinese markets, but the Chinese markets will remain closed. They've extended uh, the uh, Lunar New Year holiday because of uh, the concerns about the coronavirus, so they are still closed. The Japanese markets, however, open. They were up 164 in the overnight. The Hong Seng in Hong Kong was down big time at nearly 800 points. London's FTSE was up just two points, and uh, the German DAX index was up 21. We take a look at the 10-year yield, which is a leading economic indicator, continues to be down about uh, was down about a point and a half, or a percentage point and a half. In uh, the stock markets here in the United States, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 141, Nasdaq up 37, and the Standard and Poor Index 
is up uh, up almost 12 points. Actually, it is 12 now. Bob Rogan. Stocks are broadly higher in midday trading on Wall Street as investors are focusing on solid earnings from several big companies. The gains were temporarily curtailed earlier by a report that Americans pulled back on signing contracts to buy homes last month. Apple gained ground after reporting solid profit gains, and industrial stocks also rose. Railroads climbed following a good report from Norfolk Southern. General Electric surged after a strong showing from its aviation business pushed profits above expectations. British Airways and Asian budget carriers Lion Air and Seoul Air are suspending all flights to China as fears spread about the outbreak of that new virus that's killed more than 130 people. Several other airlines, including Finnair, Hong Kong-based Cathay Pacific, and Singapore-based Jetstar Asia, are reducing the number of flights to the country as demand for travel drops because of the outbreak. Of course, uh, unless you have not been paying much attention, uh, President Trump has signed that renegotiated North American Free Trade Agreement, and it's a major rewrite of the rules of trade with Canada and Mexico. Mr. Trump made the agreement a priority during his 2016 campaign. Trade experts disagree about the impact of the new U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. Some say it, uh, the uh, agreement's um, impact will be uh, modest. Also, Britain has decided to let Huawei have a limited role in supplying new high-speed mobile gear to wireless carriers. The Chinese tech company will also be banned from the, net, from the network's sensitive core by giving Huawei limited access to new 5G networks. The U.K. is ignoring U.S. government warnings that it would cut off intelligence sharing over security concerns. And also, uh, billionaire Warren Buffett is getting out of the newspaper business. He's selling all of Berkshire Hathaway's publications to Lee Enterprises for $140 million, and that includes many newspapers, including the Omaha World Herald in Nebraska and the Buffalo News in New York. And so those are some rather earth-shaking Things going on, not to mention uh, the quake that's happening in Miami. Yeah, the uh, Montego Bay was a 7.7 earthquake there in Cuba, and it was felt in Miami. But, uh, hey, Super Bowl party continues. I'm quaking in my boots. Visiting with Karen Kosleka. She is the manager of programs and partnerships here in Nebraska with Midwest Dairy. Karen, we also want to spend some time and talk about the Pints to Gallons campaign. Uh, just kind of remind us what this is all about, what the goal of Pints to Gallons is. Great, yeah. Pints to Gallons is a campaign that will begin in February in the Omaha area. And it's been going on for about five years now, but actually we're expanding to some smaller communities in Nebraska, which is exciting. So this year we're going to do a little pilot for in the Blair Public Schools. And the goal of the campaign is to provide an opportunity for students to learn about giving back to the community by supporting the Food Bank for the Heartland and getting much-needed milk to local families in need. And the, the way they do it is students will bring loose change to school, which will be collected and donated to the Food Bank for the Heartland so that the Food Bank can purchase gallons of milk for pantries in their local communities. 
What about milk and dairy products in food pantries? It doesn't seem like that is a very common occurrence, is it, Karen? Or am, am I wrong? Milk, especially, but you know, all dairy products are often one of the most requested and most needed food items in food pantries, but they're rarely donated because of their perishability. So this has been a really great way, especially again in the Omaha area, that we've been able to get some milk to families in need. And having that milk, being that milk is such packed full of nutrients, becomes a a very uh, sought-after thing, like you've said, and, and something that is very valuable to these families, huh? Right. Yeah. And we actually recently created a video. Uh, We worked with a local physician in town. She's an endocrinologist and she has a specialization. She works with um, elderly patients that have osteoporosis, but she she is a specialist in bone health. And so she created a video promoting the Pints to Gallons campaign. And she talks about the important nutrients that are found in milk and why it's important to make sure that we can get more milk to these families in need. So since that video has been produced, Karen, how is that video going to be utilized then? Yeah, again, we're going to really use our partners to promote it um, over their social media channels. So the Food Bank for the Heartland will be sending it out to um, encourage more of their followers to join the campaign or to encourage their followers to have their schools join the campaign, um, as well as you know sending it out over Midwest Dairy social media channels, um, I think together, the the largest food pantry in Omaha is going to share it. So really, the goal is to really promote the Pints to Gallons campaign over social media because we know that's how the majority of people are, are getting their information these days. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, again, a lot of things going on in Midwest Dairy and uh, whether it's the school partnerships, the, the Pints to Gallons campaign and these other promotional videos that are be, being put on, these are great examples of the good partnerships that Midwest Dairy, Nebraska Division and, and dairy farmers have, have forged and, and continue to utilize to spread that message, huh? That's right. We know that we can grow stronger. We can spread our message um, with these stronger partnerships. And so that is definitely part of our strategic plan is to um, grow partnerships across the Midwest Dairy region. Karen, thanks so much for the update. Again, a lot of great work being done on behalf of uh, Nebraska's dairy farmers. Again, that's Karen Kosleka. She is manager of programs and partnerships uh, with Midwest Dairy, Nebraska Division. Chad Moyer reporting. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain joins us as we look at the closing and settling grain markets. John, looking across here, we're in the red risk off, but realistically, it was a pretty slow day of trade. Oh, just like watching paint dry, you know, traded a penny in a penny range, maybe got as low as 383.5 midday and then, you know, got up maybe to 386. Um, you know, just not a whole lot of. The, the push and pull is pretty incredible on both sides. You have, you know, a bean market that just can't seem to hold a rally. Uh, I think this is our sixth straight red day, uh, nine out of the last ten. Um, at this point, it kind of foregone conclusion that we're going to run down here and, and test the, the December lows that came in at um, 881. Um, August 28th low, 879. Those are the March lows. From on contract lows are a little below that on beans, but I think you got to throw those in the cards now. And with wheat falling, uh, just kind of takes the steam out of any move that that corn could have. Um, 
Yeah, I, I wish I had better news. At this point, there really isn't anything here outside of, um, you know, some sort of solution to the travel ban that's going to change the news flow in the near term. Maybe the FOMC here can do it, um, but I, I don't know. At, at this point, I think it's a, it's a static market, which is negative for, for anything with big carry costs like you have in grains. John, looking past, once we get over the virus hump, President Trump signs USMCA today. Does that further some positive trade in the future? Well, I, the thing about that is Mexico's been buying this whole time. I mean, they haven't really stopped. And I think a year ago they were the largest pork produ- pork importers, the uh, biggest producer of, or biggest buyer of U.S. corn. Um, so it's not like that's going to change. I mean, do we see a surge of import buying in the short run just as a reward that this thing's been signed? I think it's a possibility, but at this point, it's it's more just a dynamic change that needs to happen. Where, you know, at a point in time where you're gonna start talking about new crop production when it comes to corn and beans, you have South American crop that looks to be okay. It's like where is that big demand emphasis going to come from? It'll happen. I think it'll probably need to be from the dollar. Um, and you know, President Trump was pretty confident today that there was there was going to be optimism there. So uh, I, I'd like to take him at his word. But with wheat down ten. Um, there's just a, a lot of pessimism here on the feed grain side that, you know, we're going to fall back down to the steam we have. We're, you know, a month out from delivery. The sellers start to come out, and we drive this thing. You know, Casey Wheat could go down 60, 70 cents here. So with corn, you know, 360, 350s in the cards, I don't think it'll go that low, but I think you have to expect a, a break of 370 at some point if the, the trend would continue. And again, John Payne, Senior Market Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. You can learn more and read their newsletter at danielsagmarketing.com. Again, danielsagmarketing.com. Do remember, trading futures and options involves risk of loss. It may not be suitable for all investors. Consider these risks before investing. That'll do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on KRVN, sponsored by Devaney Motors. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Devaney Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DeveneyChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Devaney deal.